This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. On the show today, we're going back to the archives, back to episode 465 on November 5th, 2019. Jennifer Garrett, she ignites and elevates executives and pro athletes to push boundaries, amplify their brand, and move the ball. She is also the host of the Move the Ball podcast. She's a leadership coach and an Army lawyer. You are going to get so much out of this conversation from the archives. Here's my conversation with Jennifer Garrett. Jen, what is up? Hey, Mark. It's so great to be on your show. You know, I don't know too many women who love football like you do because you actually teach people. Your coaching program is called, and you have a book called Move the Ball. Pretty stoked to talk to a woman who loves football as much as I do. Well, thank you. And I'm excited to talk some football with you and how it applies to us off the field. You wrote a book called Move the Ball. You're a high performance expert. And a lot of people who listen to my show are people who are like, you know, they want to get to that next level. And I'm a big fan of simplicity. So share with us how you got into your whole expert high performance expert coaching scheme. Before we get into the actual tips, share us a little bit about your backstory. Yeah, so my background, I spent 20 years working in large uh, Fortune 100 companies and have been very fortunate to work on some just super challenging programs and had some really uh, great roles that have helped me develop as a leader and push myself. And I've developed some methodologies using football to really kind of figure out how do I take my game to the next level and my team's game to the next level. And I've, I have seven degrees. I've worked in a whole bunch of different disciplines, engineering, sales, marketing. I'm a lawyer, so I've done legal work as well. And the reason I have done so many different things was it's given me a diverse perspective and viewpoint that I'm able to take into each and every role that I have and really help elevate that team through this diverse skill set to kind of get to where they need to go. Did you say seven degrees? That is correct. I'm a little crazy. <laughs> well, now I got to ask because I've got two degrees. I've got to ask, what are your degrees in? Because I'm I'm fascinated by seven degrees. Sure, I have two engineering bachelors: one in electrical engineering and one in biomedical engineering. I have an MBA. I have a master's in communication and leadership. I have a JD, which is a law degree, and then I have two advanced legal degrees which I have one in tax and one in business transactions, which focuses on M&A activity, SEC regulation, corporate structure, that type of stuff. Wow. I, I got to say, I know a lot of people, Jen, never met someone who had seven degrees. I, I met people who spoke seven languages, but no one who's had seven degrees. So congratulations. That is quite an accomplishment. So Thank you. you've got this book called Move the Ball. And tell us, why did you, you know, because you got all these degrees. That's where I'm going with this. You got all these degrees. What made you say, you know what? I want to help people move the ball because I have this the, this theory that 80% of the people on social media aren't successful. They can't pay their mortgage. They can't feed their families. They're really, uh, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, if even that. But if you look at social media, they're like, oh my gosh, these people are super successful. And I don't think they are. So what made you realize, you know what? There is a problem. There is a need in our society, in our world today, where people truly aren't getting the information they need to move the ball toward their goals. 
Sure. Well, first of all, a lot of people had approached me over my lifetime saying, man, I don't know how you do it. So I share the seven degrees, but I also have five kids. And I was a I was a teenage single parent. Um, So challenges of, you know, trying to raise a family while you're still essentially a kid yourself. So I was very fortunate to have my family support me. And and people would always say, man, I don't know how you do it. You make me look like doing nothing. And you're really inspiring. And so just hearing that enough times about how my story could help other people made me really think about, you know, it's really about what you do in this lifetime to help other people and make an impact. And I thought that I had a great methodology, a great story and a great approach to really help other people. And I absolutely love it. I mean, I've done some great things in my corporate life, but the ability to really inspire and empower other people to do great things is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Where did you get the love for football? Have you always had that or did you come into it when you were a teenager? No, I've had it ever since I was a kid. Um, I'm an only child, so I did not have brothers that played football. My dad did not coach football. I had two parents in Chicago that loved the Chicago Bears. And so growing up in the 80s, I loved the Chicago Bears. Bears. That's right. They're not doing so great right now, but... uh, (laughs) But I just fell in love with the game at an early age because I watched those Bears of the 80s come back from three, four touchdown deficits in the second half to pull off a victory. And that's not unique to the Bears by any means, but that's what I saw. And that's what intrigued me in the game was the game wasn't necessarily over until it was over. And so then I just started picking up all different kinds of lessons from the sport and applying it to my own personal life throughout all the seasons of my life, as I'll call them. And um, so that's kind of how I got hooked on football. You know who really could have used your help? The Atlanta Falcons, when they were up 28-9 to 9 and said, oh, we got this, this game in the, in the bag. And they, they probably could have used your help and saying, listen, it ain't over yet. <laughs> you know, they haven't sounded the final whistle. And, uh, of course, that happened here in my hometown of Houston, Texas. Uh, I still can't believe that they blew that lead. It was absolutely incredible. But you have a player like a Tom Brady or, you know, you know, I like Deshaun Watson for the Houston Texans. These players, you can never give up on them. And I think the Atlanta Falcons should have consulted with you at the end of the third quarter of that Super Bowl. I agree. You know, um, <laughs> but it, that's actually a game that I talk about often in my speaking engagements and workshops because how many people really thought, you know, at the halftime mark that the Patriots were going to come back? And there were some people that were probably hopeful. But, I mean, it was just an amazing second half what that team did. And there's a chapter in my book that's called Play the Full 60. And it's really about playing the game until the game clock hits zero. You got Facebook? Well, I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page and I have a Facebook group, both under the name of Mr. Productivity. So if you are into Facebook, if you love Facebook, go look me up on Facebook. Just look for Mr. Productivity. And of course, you have someone like Bill Belichick. Now, I don't like the Patriots because they win all the time. I remember growing up in the 80s when Dan Marino used to play for the Dolphins. Now, they didn't win Super Bowls, but the Patriots won one or two games. So I want the, that kind of Patriots back again. I have nothing against Tom Brady, the Bill Belichick. Those guys, they're a machine. They could go out to the parking lot and get people to tailgating and win the game. That's because it's all, it's not so much in the skill of the players. You got to have a good leadership. And I think we all can agree we can't knock Bill Belichick for saying he's not a quality coach. He does know how to coach his players. He is a quality leader. Yes, I agree with that. 
So who are some other leaders that you see in the NFL that are quality leaders that you would trust when the game is on the line? That's a great question. So I'm going to have some to give some credit where credit is due. And even though I don't like to, but Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers quarterback, has mm. also been known for being one of those people that can really just turn the game around. I mean, I was watching the Chargers Packers game yesterday. And as a Bears fan, I was rooting for the Chargers and <laughs> they, they played fantastic that game. But, you know, coming into the third, fourth quarter, it's like, man, the, the game's not over yet. Let's see what Aaron Rodgers can do. I didn't want him to do much, but it wasn't <laughs> over. And you believe it was possible for that team to still win that game. And that's what, no matter who the opponent is, when you're pay, uh, playing the Green Bay Packers, like you know that they could come back. And so that's just a team that's phenomenally strong at just moving the ball when it really counts. I'd say the Saints are another one. Drew Brees is another quality leader. And I mean, I'm talking about quarterbacks. It's not only the quarterback that drives leadership and gets the team focused, but they do play an instrumental role yes. in that. So I would say if I had to pick two people, I'd say Drew Brees as well as Aaron Rodgers are two guys that I think just they give it all they have, aside from Tom Brady, um, <laughs> that really just, you know, they are 100% committed for the full 60 minutes of that game. I was so thrilled that when Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson first came in the league and they had uh, you know a couple practices with Tom Brady and Tom Brady says you know Deshaun you are the future of the league and I'm like hey he plays for my team um, because you gotta it's not just of course he was very successful in Clemson it's not just be able to throw a ball I mean Tom Brady can read any defense and know exactly what they're going to do he didn't learn that in his rookie year I mean, you learn that over years and years and years and years of seeing different schemes and you know yeah he has bad games but you know what he has way more good games than he had bad games so where I want to go with this is it's called move the ball and what I want you to do I want to talk a few minutes about how someone who's listening to this conversation can say you know what okay I get that I may not like football but I get it I got to play the full 60 I got to give my full effort but Jen how do I do that you know I'm stuck at a job I hate my job I don't know what to do but I, I feel this is not my calling what would you tell that person if you feel that you're in a role that's not your calling, I would really get clear on what it is that you want to do. And maybe you know what it is that you want to do, but you haven't had the courage yet to make that step and make the change. Because change can be difficult for people. And so I would say you've got, I, I use this phrase often, I say own your game, and it's really about taking ownership. And so either you're, if you're in a role that you're enjoying and you're not giving it your all, or you're not happy, then own your game and make the changes that you need to, to make sure that you are a working on a, on a career or in a job that you find fulfilling and B that you're really, you know, going all in and holding yourself accountable each and every day so that you are at the end of the day, able to look in the mirror as you're getting ready for bed and you can smile because you know that you had a great day doing something that you loved. I always tell people if you're still breathing, then you still have hope that you can change your career. So if you're doing something that you don't like, last time I checked, we have 24 hours in a day, 
168 hours in a week, which means if you work at your job 40 hours a week, and let's throw in 10 hours for commute, that's 50 hours. 168 minus 50 is what? Um, over 100 hours, right? So you can do a side hustle to, or start looking for another job on the side, on the weekends, after work. But I think a lot of people just go, well, I worked so hard at work and I don't feel like it. And they sit down in front of the TV and they watch five, six, seven, eight hours of TV a night. And then they wonder why they're not moving the ball because they're not doing anything to do it. They're just like sitting on the sidelines. Sure. So I've got an interesting fun fact. If you spend 30 minutes each day watching TV for a year, that equates to 22 eight-hour workdays. And so, I mean, just think 30 less minutes a day for a year working on something that you want to work on is 22 eight-hour days of productivity. So um, I would I just throw that out there because people don't think about how much time they're spending on social media or on in front of the TV, right, or on the computer. And so it's easy to just let time get sucked up by those activities. And then we're also feeling like, man, I don't have enough time in the day to get everything done. But yet you spend all this time watching television or playing on your phone. And so I think it's about priorities. You said there's 24 hours in a day. I like to say there's 1,440 minutes each day. And so you have to choose what it is you want to spend those minutes on. And people love to say, well, I don't have time to go do this that I would enjoy because of X, Y, and Z. Well, what you're really saying is not that you don't have time. You're saying that it's not a priority for you because you can make the time if you really want to do something. And that comes back to this own your game concept that I talk about. People that are committed to something and have ownership will make the time versus if you're just interested in something, you only do it when it's convenient for you. I love that. One of the exercises I give my clients and I even give my listeners on the podcast is figure out where your time is really going. And I, I, I don't mean keep it in your head. I mean, carry around a little notebook with you. And every time you do something, I want you to write down what you did. And I want you to write down how long it took you. Because when you write it in your own handwriting, now the truth is going to, if you're honest, when you're writing the, the, the time tracking out, then the truth is going to come out. When I ask people and they say, I don't have enough time. I'm like, what do you do between after dinner and before bed? And, and they kind of look at me like when you make a high pitched sound to a, a dog that cocks his head, I'm like, they know where I'm going with this because you're playing Fortnite. Are you uh, binge watching Netflix? I and mean, what are you doing? Because there's a reason why you look at high performers like Mark Cuban or Elon Musk or Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, all these big high performers. They have the same 24 hours in a day or the, the minutes per day or the seconds per day, however you want to you know splice it out. But they're making different priorities. And I think if you want to know who got voted off the island or you want to know who got the rose on Bachelor or Bachelorette, I don't watch those shows, you know, then you, you are going to sacrifice your dreams and your goals and your aspirations. But I don't have a problem with you watching TV. Okay. First of all, don't watch it live. And number two, put in a good, strong, productive way of work. So when I sit down and watch my TV at night, I don't, I don't feel guilty because I worked hard. Now, if you're not working hard, then I don't think you should watch TV or do any of that stuff. Do you agree with that? Become a free Mark Struchowski Insider today by going to MrProductivity.com. When you do, you will get my top five productivity tips absolutely free. The Mark Struchowski Insider, free at MrProductivity.com. Right. Yes, I completely agree with that. I think that it's okay to take those timeouts, as I call them, right, and have a break and watch TV if you've put in 
hard work and effort, then reward yourself for that. But if you're not putting in that time and effort, then don't waste even more time by watching television. So it's all about just mapping out, did I do the things that I wanted to do today? And if so, if there's a TV show I want to watch, I agree with you, don't watch live. I very rarely watch live so I can fast forward the commercials and (laughs) except football games. I do watch football games live. However, that being said, oftentimes because they are so long, I will find a way to get some work done while I'm watching them. Maybe it's during the commercials or at halftime, but I am still getting work done. So I'm not just sitting there for two and a half, three hours, just doing nothing but watching the game. You know what I do when I watch my, uh, my football, I will actually start watching it live. And then when it gets to the first commercial break, I pause my TiVo and then I have a 30 minute buffer. So then I go read or I'll go on social media or I'll go write a blog post or something like that. At the end of 30 minutes, it just starts playing and I skip through the commercials. When I get caught up, I pause it and go back. So only the Super Bowl do I actually watch live. Now, of course, if you're going to do this, you can't be on social media because then you're going to find out who, who's winning the game. But I found that hack because I think watching commercials is an utter waste of time. And not all commercial breaks are the same length of time. So you can't go do something because it may be two minutes, maybe 30 seconds. That's one of the ways I've done it to actually watch the game but not waste my time as much as I, as I would normally. Sure, that's a great way to do it. Now, besides play the full 60, what other tips can you give the listener about moving the ball forward? Because one of the things I think, I don't know if you've seen this, a lot of people, I'm stunned when you ask them what their dreams and their goals are. They go, um, I don't know. And I got a feeling if I put a gun to their head and told them, tell me your goals or I'm going to put a bullet to your head, I would be killing a lot of people. Now, I'm not going to do this, folks, so don't call the police or anything like that, but I am shocked at the number of people who have no goals because anything you're going to tell us to do, unless I'm wrong and off base here, if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a dream, an aspiration, desire, well, how are you going to move the goal? How are you going to move the ball toward that goal because you don't have a goal? Correct. Yes. So there's a section in the book where I call it define what it means to win. And so basically, it's what are your goals and what does success look like to you? And that's different for all of us. But you need to know what that is for you and having that clarity. So then you can figure out what your playbook needs to be to be able to move the ball down the field and get into the end zone. So to answer your question about what are some other tips? uh, So that's kind of the first thing you need to have that clarity. And I equate you to being the quarterback on your life's field. So it's really up to you to take that offensive approach and move the ball. You can't rely on other people to lead the charge. Like it really starts with you. You have a team that's going to help you, but it really ultimately comes down to you and the ownership and the commitment and the accountability that you're willing to put forth on yourself. So that's one. Two, I talk about this concept of the next first down often. And this is important because in football, as in life, we don't look to get into the end zone on every single play. It's great when you have a 50 yard pass or, you know, some big play, but that doesn't happen every single time. And teams don't play that way. They look to get that next first down, keep moving the ball down the field, and then you get into the end zone. And so that's the same for us is we look to get that next set of yards, 10 yards, which is a mini milestone for us. So you have these big goals and you break them down into more manageable chunks. And the reason that's important is because it's easier to accomplish things that we feel are more manageable than some big, audacious goal. And so if you can break them down into chunks and figure out, how am I going to get to that next first down marker? And then when you get there, 
you do a couple of things. One, you celebrate and you acknowledge like, hey, I did this. And you get yourself fired up over what you've accomplished. And that does two things. One, it makes you feel good and it gets you really excited to keep going. It gives you momentum. But secondly, it gives you an opportunity to then assess like, okay, what are my next moves going to be to get to that next first down? Maybe I already had a playbook, but is that still the right set of plays or do I need to adjust? I love that because a lot of people to keep with the football analogy, they're not worried about the next 10 yards, the next first down. What they're worried about is where am I going to go and celebrate the victory after the game? Like sort of like the Atlanta Falcons apparently did. You need to play for that next first down and then the next first down, then you score and then you get the kickoff and repeat it to the end of the game to play the full 60. And I see a lot of people, they're worried about the 30th step or the 50th step. And I'm like, don't do it. You got to take the next step. You're getting too far ahead of yourself. And I see so many people living so far in the future. Yes, we need to have what Jim Collins calls Big Harry Aldace's goal from his best-selling book, Built to Last. But that is the Big Harry Aldace's goals. You have all these little steps or all these you know, next 10 yards along the way to reach that pinnacle of that Big Harry Aldace's goals. And I think you need to have both. You need to worry about the next 10 yards. And you also need to worry about, okay, what is, do I have a Big Harry Aldace's goal? Yes, I think we should all have big goals. But what happens when we have them is sometimes it seems so overwhelming that we just don't even bother moving forward. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. I can't, I'm stressed out over this. You overthink things. Whereas if you can break it down into these first down markers, then that makes it more manageable and you don't get stressed out as much. You don't get overwhelmed and it seems like it's something that you could actually do. And don't cheat. Don't don't hope that the officials are going to call holding on the defense and give you an automatic first down. Earn the first down. Yes, very true. <laughs> well, Jen, you have given us lots of gold on this show today. Where can we find out more about you? Um, I have a website. If you go to jenniferagarrett.com, you can uh, see more about me there. If you hashtag move the ball in any of the social channels, you'll find me as well. And lastly, I just started a new mailing list where I'm always emailing out tips and strategies on how to be happier, how to move that ball down the field. And it's completely free and it's just my way to impact more people. So if you're interested, you can go to www.thenextfirstdown.com to sign up. And don't fumble the ball. <laughs> just keep don't holding that ball. the ball. <laughs> but I will say, I will say that even if you fumble the ball, that's okay. It's a setback, yes. right? We have setbacks. And so it's really about picking yourself back up and figuring out how do you get the ball back and then how do you move it down the field? Yeah, the reason why I brought that up is during the Texans game yesterday in London, uh, Carlos Hyde had this really great run. He got in the end zone, sort of, right on the one-yard line, the Jacksonville guy, because he had the ball in the, the right hand and he knocked the ball out. And so... They uh, Jacksonville got the ball. Of course, they threw an interception and Texans still scored. But always be protective of what you're doing. Yeah, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to throw interceptions. You're going to make fumbles. Goofy things are going to happen. But you got to maintain control. And it starts with having goals and then worrying about the next 10 yards, the next first down. So I really appreciate that analogy. It's so great to talk football with, with you today, Jen. So thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, anybody who didn't get something out of this uh, episode today, there's something wrong with you because you dropped pure wisdom on us, pure gold. So thank you so much. 
Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that, Mark. And I just want to thank everyone for listening, for taking the time to hear our conversation. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.